Welcome back to another episode of Generally Assembled, your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcast. I'm Jason Gottesman, joined uh, once again by Representative Topper, so you know it's going to be a good one. Good morning, Pennsylvania. And uh, continuing along with our uh, Jeopardy-esque co-host duties, we have uh, Jordan Fry joining us today. Jordan? Good morning. Welcome. Uh, You come from out west. That I do. But not like, you know, west-west, just Pennsylvania west. Just Pennsylvania west, the lovely hamlet of Ligonier in Westmoreland County. And he's uh, in our communications, yeah. one another communications guy. It's weird how we keep bringing them on the show and it doesn't get better. That could speak to some of our problems. Well, yeah, you know, um, everybody likes to say we don't have a message and we want to prove that to everybody. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I'm here to dispel all that. That's good. All right. Well, hey, maybe we maybe we have a winner here. First of all, Jordan got a great beard going. Uh, does, for it's those a podcast stopper. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm, that's why I'm describing it. So, look, I do some radio you know, for, for our local local high school sports. And one of the things I always like to do, you know, is describe, hey, you know, Bedford tonight is in their, their home blues with white helmets. Like, you got to describe it for the people listening. And and I'm saying that Jordan just doesn't have scruff going. He's got, he's going full on Santa Claus. Full, full beard. Yeah. And, you know, my wife hates it, which made me only dig in a little bit a little further bit and say, no, absolutely. I'm you know, not the shaving. birth of every great beard comes from wives going, I really hate that facial hair. <laughs> that, that, that is the birth of every beard. And, yes. and speaking of speaking of wives, congratulations on your anniversary, Jason. Yes, eight Very, years. Yeah. Uh, wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, first snow of the year fell. Well, slush, first slush of the year. Well, yeah. but you know, when I was driving home uh, and I was talking to uh, our director of the communications department, Steve Miskin, on the way home, uh, kind of going over yesterday and preparing for today. And there was literally a p- point on, on 81 where I could no longer see out of my windshield and still I was driving driving along. And um, I, I finally, I said, Miskin, I, I don't think you probably knew that I felt like my life was in serious jeopardy. But I went, I finally went, Miskin, I just want to let you know I can see out of my windshield again and I'm no longer afraid for my own life. Well, I was, I was, <laughs> I was conversing with uh, our colleague, Seth Grove, uh, of course, of Grove Unleashed. And he said that uh, well, it's last an night, inferior podcast product. Right, the inferior yeah. co- podcast product. But he said last night he was driving to Lebanon for something. He said it got really hairy for him. And there was a there was an accident developing in front of him with some tractor trailers. And the the thought in his mind immediately was this could be this could be really bad for me. You know, it, it was it was rough for a second. And then he said I, I was kind of thinking like, well, what happens if I'm there in that wreck? I said, Seth, trust me. Today on our podcast, generally assembled, we would have we would have given you a great send off. And that seemed to really give him a lot of um, peace Yeah, that if he goes, we're going to say something good about him on this podcast. Well, um, <laughs> hey, we are the most listened to podcast for the entire caucus, so it has his farewell would be the you know the broadest reach. Right. Uh, it, would, it, would, it would get out there. But hey, that's a lot of doom and gloom, though, for a snowstorm in central Pennsylvania. As, as you know, Representative Topper coming from Bedford, the snow here versus the snow two hours to, to our west is... Come on, you guys don't really get a whole lot of snow. Well, that's why it, it humors me that these central PA guys are talking right. about how tough it was on the roads. I'm like, listen, please, exactly, just, just please. Oh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. As, as no, you know, you I went, you I went to college bit. in Montana, so I know what real snow. That's is right. About. Yes, but <laughs> and at the time, at the time, I drove a, a Honda Prelude, which was about six wow. inches off the ground, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, Montana, they don't actually uh, plow snow. Um, no, you just they they, they just, just expect let it, you to ride the horse like in Yellowstone. Well, no, so they they come through and they pack it down, um, and then after it hasn't snowed for about three weeks, so you're driving on top yeah. of snow on the streets. And then after it hasn't snowed for a while, they have these giant 
uh, scrapers that come by. Yeah, blades. Uh, yeah, and they'll and they'll 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 whack they'll you know they'll cut it up mm-hmm. and they'll dump it in a, in the back of a giant truck. Right. That's and that's a, how they get rid of their that's snow. A, that's a real real hardened veterans get rid of snow. But but by the way, I brought up Yellowstone, but don't tell me about it because with Yellowstone, which is as you know if you've listened to this podcast, my favorite show. But I wait till they're all done and then I go back and I watch them. So. We will not be able to discuss Yellowstone on Generally Assembled until I have. I just them finished all. Sunday's show. Are you kidding me? That's the only thing I can talk about. Did you? No, we're not. Well, we're let not me ask you about. this then: When it comes to Halloween candy, did you used to like hide it away and eat like one piece a night so that you'd have it go? No, for as long as humanly nope. possible. <laughs> no, because that kind of sounds like we do Yellowstone. Like I'm going to wait until they're all out. I'm going to binge myself on no, it. No, that's gonna, no, that's I've always right. been. You no, know, I've always. I always really said I was going to do that, <laughs> and then never did. Right, it was gone yeah. the first night. No, the, the the remarkable the, to have the ability to to watch everything at one time is I think I think the the better way. I mean, look, it, now that I've gotten used to it, it's just the way to watch TV now. Yeah, I know, but you know, sometimes I just can't help myself, uh, even though I want to like let it go week to week, um, and I'll sit there and I'll watch something for like six or seven straight nights, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, when's the new season of you know like Ozark was that way? Like, when's the new season of Ozark coming out? seems like it's been forever it's been like oh it's been six months yeah and it's like you know you watch 12 episodes in seven days but there's always the next show to do that with and and i i think that's just changed how we we absorb but social media is going to be the driver like if if you're binge watching and you you know you're going to get through an entire season within two nights of say yellowstone and you open up social media and you find out that oh my gosh ozark started again i i you know people are talking about it i gotta get caught up on that now you have to interrupt Yellowstone to watch the first. First of all, of I've watched both. Ozark. There ain't nobody interrupting Yellowstone to go watch Ozarks. Like the well, two are not comparable. But, but I do think that there has been a a major shift in the way that television is produced. You see that now um, with Yellowstone, where they now have the prequels, mm-hmm. the prequel shows, That's right? right? Um, because people want that more of that content uh, in 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 the absence of the main program. You also yeah, see they that know, with, they know they have a winner. Yeah, you also see that with The Walking Dead, where you now have. The main show, which is mm-hmm. ending, but you have Fear of the Walking Walking Dead. You had um, Spartacus. There was that when they did the, the prequel mm-hmm. as well, kind of in the right. middle of the show. Yeah, right. Now you're going to have other spinoffs that just because you know people want the content to continue, um, and you know the way in which we consume the media now leaves room for a lot of other ways in which that that can be presented, mm-hmm. um, which I think has been very interesting, but I'm sure very costly, which is why I just got a notice from Hulu that my subscription is going up like 12 bucks a month. Yes, yes it is. Yes, and it Netflix is, is going to start charging for shared passwords. Yeah. That's going to crush me. <laughs> well, that's that's more of a you problem, I think. <laughs> Um, well, I guess we probably should talk about some substance here. We're about seven really? minutes into the program. I don't know. I feel um, like this is going well. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, if you know, look, we, we could talk about this stuff all day. Um, <laughs> but let's let's talk for a few minutes because I thought Jordan, when we talked uh, about this podcast, you had a really good topic, which was, you. you know, we're here at at the end of session, and um, I don't know if, whether it's been a record eight years in terms of this, but the the significant amount of obstruction coming from the executive office in terms of using the veto pen. Um, you know, we're here <clears throat> recording this on the last voting day of uh, the 2021-2022 session, and over the last eight years, there have been dozens upon dozens of vetoes by the governor, especially during the COVID pandemic when House Republicans were, were leading in trying to stand up for individual freedoms and liberties and the ability for Pennsylvanians mm-hmm. to live their everyday lives. 
Agreed. And the governor didn't want to do that. That's yeah. Obstruction is is a great word. You know, look, forty years of of uh, of gubernatorial leadership in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, before Governor Wolf, the highest was fifty. Fifty vetoes by uh, by Governor Casey, nine, served nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety five. Uh, Governor Wolf, we're now up to 65 uh, in his eight years. Um, 19 of those alone during two, uh, during 2020 in the business shutdown. So I'll go ahead and use that. One, that, that that was one of my one of my top three. If you remember House Bill 2388, I remember it well. Uh, I'm sure you do, um, and I, I'm sure so. So does Representative Topper. It, it started out as a piece of legislation that was going to allow car dealerships to open, uh, of course, under CDC regulations um, and and following all safety protocols. It was then amended um, to to also in, include those same protocols to lawn and garden centers, barber shops, uh, salons, and uh, animal groomers, which is really important because if you're stuck at home with your dog and you're <laughs> Dogs' na- uh, nails. It was are- one of it was one of uh, Ruth Topper's quote pet peeves uh, <laughs> during that time. Right. Could, okay. With her and, miniature schnauzer. And, you and, like how and, I used that pet peeves? You didn't. Even, I didn't really didn't like even, it. No, that nope, much. You that didn't was, smile even. That was. You know, I, I expect you to have better jokes than okay, I do. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, well, that's why I thought. I thought that was a Jason Goddessman type joke, and that's why I threw it in well, there. Those but. are the types of jokes I deliver. They're not the type of jokes I consume. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> and as a big that's fan, fair. I knew that Ruth topper's name had to make it in so i'm i'm glad well listen when when she's she might very well might be the only listener at this point like we're going to recognize her (laughs) i'll do my best to entertain oh thanks for the compliment topper (laughs) appreciate it uh but i'm doing my best here you are you're doing great you're doing great you you know uh but no that that was a really important bill at that point we were we were well past the two-week curve and uh there was no reason uh to veto that bill um and Instead, what we were doing, uh, particularly with car dealerships, we were allowing these, uh, you know, franchises like Carvana to come in and open up, who aren't regulated by Pennsylvania the, the, the way that our dealerships are, to, to, the, to go and do business. Um, and, and that's where people were buying their cars. They were overpaying. They were buying from dealerships they didn't want to buy from. Uh, and I think that was really important. Um, and, uh, and the governor vetoed that. He didn't have to. That could have been something that he worked with us on and not obstructed. Well, look, at, at the time, I think, I think we need to look back. As we, as we look back on Governor Wolf's tenure, and I, I ran into him yesterday, and, and he's a very affable man. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a likable person. Sure, he's a friendly guy. But, but at the end of the day, he's also, he's also an ideologue. Yeah, you know, he truly believed that during during COVID, and this is the this is the very dangerous part of of growing government and and, and what people need to understand how it affects their lives. The those on the other side, the progressives who believe that government should be bigger and be a part of our everyday lives, they truly believe that that is the way mm-hmm. to make people's lives better. And and I believe to this day, Governor Wolf feels that he saved people from themselves. In those moments, whereas we took the approach of that is not the role of government. The role of government is to provide equal opportunity for everyone to be able to succeed according to their own merit and according to personal responsibility and accountability. That has to be what we promote. And that is during that time, I think, was the sharpest distinction maybe we've ever seen in Pennsylvania government of what that looks like. And you can go back to every one of those bills. And I remember those. We were I think we were in session 13 or 14 straight weeks. But that's really what that battle was about. Now, we've had those battles on smaller scales, but that is what that came down to. It wasn't Mm -hmm. so much about garden centers or car dealerships or or pet groomers. It was about the role of government in people's lives, regardless 
of what was out there. And, and, if, and if the government can step in and just declare, this is now a time when we can, when we can step in and tell you where to go, what to wear when you get there, um, when to work, when to open up. Well, now we've, we've entered a spot where the government has grown too big. And, and, and if we don't want to see that happen again, then we need to make sure we're putting forth policies that prevent that in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear that not only at the beginning of his eight years, but certainly during the last two, two and a half, three years, Governor Wolf took a chastity belt approach to government. He said, I'm going to force you to lock yourself down and protect you from other people. And clearly that never didn't heard work. that. Never heard that analogy. I literally, yeah, that I analogy. Just, I literally just came up. With okay, that. all right. Yeah. I'm, that's that's good. Good. Yeah, I, Bell approach. Yeah, I like, I like it. it. I like it. I like it. I so like it. I think what has to be acknowledged. John Hopkins University did a, a study, um, and they compared every community. I mean, every society across the world, and went from the least amount of shutdowns and uh, and government interventions to the most. 02 percent. 0.2% was the number of uh, impact death toll between those communities that were the most aggressive in their shutdowns and those that had the least amount. Uh, and that's – government wasn't – or I'm sorry, our, our public was not uh, convinced that those shutdowns to that level were all that necessary, but, and they were right. But the real question we need to ask ourselves is even if that wasn't the case, what is the role – what is the basic fundamental role of government? And, and that's mm-hmm. always always going to be uh, the struggle to answer. But, but we have to prepare because I think what COVID showed us were the, showed us a lot, but the holes in things like our educational system. You know, mm-hmm. what, what, what role does it have if, if, we're, if we're now seeing an entire generation of students that have been exposed to online learning and some thrived in it, some did not, but what are we hearing now since COVID? We, we've seen a whole new development of school choice agendas that have mm-hmm. gone from state to state to state. Um, we've seen medical freedom uh, agendas that have moved from state to state. People, and, and look, every state's going to be different. Uh, we, we understand that. But at, at the core of the discussion is it really exposed, in my opinion, how government was doing in a lot of areas, mm-hmm. not just public health. Yeah, we saw that certainly in, in how people took an interest in school board elections, significant parental involvement in how public schools operate, um, where, where a lot of that deficiency was exposed. And not only is it, was it, you know, what is my child learning? And I think a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on books and curriculum, but really, why is my child not succeeding? What are you spending your resources on other than my student's success and my child's success? Because this is something that their future depends on. We know that as we enter a new economy, having uh, an educated and career-ready workforce is something that is going to make uh, future generations in this country successful. And when people see that, oh man, the system has been failing me and my family for so long, and now I'm confronted with the gross failures of that system, of course they're going to want to get involved. Of course they're going to be upset. Um, and that's why we're seeing, I think, so much, so many different alternatives. That's why we're so, seeing so much involvement, not only in, go- in government at the local level, but the state level and the national level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people now realize how government can impact their lives. That's right. And there's a saying that well, I'm going I'm to get it wrong, but basically, as long as people have money, they don't care where it comes from kind of a thing. People felt as long as it looked like the system was working, they weren't going to ask too many questions. And it became very evident that a very little virus exposed a lot of very significant weaknesses in our governmental system from and top to bottom. And that's what it takes. I mean, the, right. the, I, I gave a gave a 
uh, Veterans Day speech uh, last Friday, and I, I said I'd watched a documentary on 9-11, and that documentary caused me to remember what I felt in the weeks after 9-11, the, the pride I had in our military and mm-hmm. our first responders, watching them, you know, as they as they mobilized to take the fight from our borders overseas. And, and you remember, like, the every, how everybody felt about our military at that time. But then when wars end and threats cease, what do we do? We, You know, I know me. I kind of got back to taking things for granted again. Right. And that's what we do. We take, whether it be our, our, our military, our veterans, our freedoms, um, well, like you said, where you know our, our finances, whatever. When we get comfortable, we start to take things for granted. And and when you see something disruptive, socially disruptive, like like COVID nineteen, and what came from that, all of a sudden people saw they got very uncomfortable. And I think it, it brought a lot of new issues to the to the forefront. And now, as our jobs as, as public policymakers is to say, look. It's not just about COVID nineteen. You know, government is not growing. Government is not the answer. Period. And uh, and yes, we saw that. We saw what it can do in terms of our daily lives during a pandemic. But that actually happens at a slow crawl all the time. Yeah. And and we have to be better at, at stopping yeah. it. All right. Well, folks, I think that was a good discussion. Uh, we're here almost twenty minutes in, and uh, it's uh, just about that time. So. As always, gentlemen, a pleasure. Yeah, listen, Absolutely. I thought Jordan, I thought you did, you did okay. Well, we, thank you. you. I appreciate okay. that. Yeah, I, uh, I had a good time. Co-host with a bullet. This this podcast, <laughs> in my opinion, and this is this is uh, is always on an upward trajectory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can it That's, go anywhere else? <laughs> it must go up. Speaking of advancing at a slow crawl, like government, <laughs> that is what we do here at Generally Assembled, and we're proud of it. We, so. we are Thanks very for proud having of this project. Jason. Yep. Thank you, uh, Representative Topper, Jordan. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast where all of your favorite House Republican podcasts are found, www.pahousegop.com slash mypodcast, on Google, on Apple, on Spotify, and uh, coming to a platform near you sometime soon. All right, folks, that's it. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.